Hey, West family. This episode is very much a family affair. The two interviews you'll be listening to are of teachers interviewing their children. First, we'll have Beth Schmedeke, our orchestra teacher here at West. She will be interviewing her child, Gabby. She's a high schooler who is writing a children's book that is inclusive of the LGBTQIA community, another population that is underrepresented in literature. The second parent-child interview comes to you because of one of our professional development days in January. Remember one of those days you got to sleep in and we still had to go to work? Mrs. Cindy Patton and Mr. Anthony Overton presented some invaluable training to the whole staff here at West. So you know when your ELA teachers talk to you about grabbing your reader's attention? Well, I want to tell you, not only was my attention grabbed, but I felt a solid gut punch when this duo shared that 41% of the transgender population reported having attempted suicide. Compare that to the 1.6% of the general population. That's pretty profound. The staff as a whole was so grateful to this team for presenting this information. It was basically a lesson in etiquette in how to make our transgender population feel like they're in a safe space. And that's what teachers should do. Make you feel like you're in a safe space so that you can learn. Mrs. Patton and Anthony will be sharing how Anthony has changed his presentation to fit each audience he has addressed. Because the same information given to everyone in the same way is not always effective. After this interview, if you'd like more information or literature about this topic, please check out the Writers Week website, email your teachers, or contact one of our librarians. We will have plenty of information for you. Thank you. Hi, this is Dr. Kelly Taylor, Hazelwood School District Teacher of the Year, and I want to share some information with you. The pandemic has impacted us each in unique and personal ways, some harder than others. Each of us has found a way to handle the challenges of safely navigating the new normal, and most of us have managed pretty well. However, if you find that you're struggling to manage the stress or you're feeling overwhelmed with emotion or anxiety, there's a safe place to turn. The Lifeliners organization has people on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week to listen and to help when you feel the struggles are too much to handle alone. If you're feeling alone and sad, if you're feeling anxious or scared, if you're thinking of hurting yourself or hurting others, please call 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. More information on Lifeliners can be found on the Writers Week website. This is 
is Mrs. Schmedeke, and I am so honored to be part of Writers Week 2021. And I'm here uh, with my daughter, Gabby Schmedeke. And um, we are going to talk about a project she's been working on recently, and I'm very, very proud of her, and I can't wait to hear um, what she has to say about all this. Um, so, Gabby, why don't we start with um, a little background about you? Um, okay, well, my name is Gabby. I am a musician primarily, but art is something that has meant a lot to me for a very long time. And um, I like to create my own characters and um, share them with people. And I'm just honored to be able to have this opportunity to reach a wider audience. And where have you gotten some of your ideas? The idea for the current project that I'm working on, The Queens of Aname, which is my book that I'm in the process of writing right now, um, I got that inspiration from Disney movies. My sister Gigi and I have spent a lot of time over quarantine just watching and rewatching all these princess movies. And something that I notice as an LGBTQIA plus teen is that there's no representation for us in these kids' movies. And I know that it would have been a little bit easier for me to understand myself if there was, you know, a little kids' movie that had people like me in it. So, um,. I saw that and my obsession with Disney and I started creating characters based off of different gender identities and sexualities and the pride flags that go along with it. And um, that kind of spawned this whole creative narrative that a lesbian queen fell in love with a trans woman and they ruled this kingdom together. Yeah, I notice uh, with some of your pictures or really all of the characters that they each go with the color scheme of the flags. Yes, so I don't like explicitly like saying what my characters are. Like I don't want to be like, this is lesbian, you know, like I feel like they are a lot more than that label. So, but I still want them to be, you know, like known for the label, but I, you know, it's a careful balance that I'm trying to find. And so I tend to take their, the color schemes of the flags and those are the only colors that I allow myself to use for their clothes. So if there's no white in the flag, they have no white on their clothes. And so I find that it's creatively challenging to try to incorporate the different colors and to make it resemble the flag, but also to be their own character. So what has this process been? Has it been characters first, then storyline? Or has it been you've had a storyline in your head and you've come up with the characters from that? Yeah, so I spend a lot of my time doing character design. Um, like I said, I love art. I love to draw. Designing characters is the thing that I'm best at with that. I love researching and pulling different elements from different things that I like and then drawing that picture. But to me, like a picture is just a picture, you know, it like it, it needs something more than that. So after I created these characters, which I spent weeks doing, you know, I was like, okay, well, why does Queen Iris, the lesbian queen, why does she have a sword? 
like because that's just the first way that I drew her so I kind of drew the illustration first and then kind of went back and tried to figure out like what they were like if they were actual people like what are their interests what are they looking for what are their goals and that's kind of what started my writing process because I've been making original characters and like you know keeping track of the storylines in my head since sixth grade but this is the first time that I'm really writing it down and showing it to other people and the characters definitely come first and I feel like to write effectively you have to know your character perfectly like you have to understand what they think of when they see certain things and so I just spent some time after weeks of you know drawing them over and over and it's like well this is what they like this is what they don't like this is like their goals and this is what's holding them back and that really helped me like shape them as a character which then led into the writing process because I never intended for these characters to go anywhere but then I saw that they had potential and a few of my friends and my lovely mama here told me like this can actually go somewhere and that's what started the process of actually sitting down at my computer and writing on a google doc and so is your intention to come up with just the one book or would you, are you going to try to dig deeper on that? Well, um, I haven't published anything yet. Right. I want to make sure that's clear. <laughs> um, right. uh, I'm working on it. I have the writing done and I just started working on the illustrations about two weeks ago. And um, I, I do want to keep pursuing this because... My whole goal isn't to be like, like, you know, shove in people's face, like my beliefs, my ideas, that's not the goal. And it's not to make money. It's just for representation. Representation is extremely important to me. And it's something that I try to make sure I, I just want everyone to be represented. And since the LGBTQIP plus community is constantly growing and evolving, and there's always new gender identities and sexualities discovered, I feel that stopping here would almost be letting myself down because there's so much more to explore. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. This is just, you know, a lesbian woman and a trans woman falling in love. But what if they had a son and he was gay? And what if he had a boyfriend who was bi and his twin sister is pan? And like, what if she was dating someone, you know, like the whole thing just can all be connected just like the community is. And, you know, even within the community, sometimes people will discriminate against each other. And one of my goals is just to break down that wall. And I think that the world would be a lot easier to coexist in if we had this representation, representation instilled in us at a younger age, because it's what's fair. I mean, I feel that like I said, stopping here would just be letting myself down because obviously you you don't hear a lot of stories about, you know, like a gender fluid little kid. And so those kids could just grow up confused and think that they're doing something wrong when really they're not. It's just who they are. And so your audience is who? My audience is really children. You know, this is a fairy tale setting. Everything in my stories is fairy tale inspired you know there's sirens there's a cyclops there's fairies and gnomes and unicorns and it's supposed to be very disney-esque 
like the first story that I'm currently working on with Queen Iris and her wife, Queen L, they um, look like fairy tales. I pulled a lot of things from um, Disney movies as well as history just to try to make them look the part of fairy tales. So the general audience is really those kids like in the you know, like elementary range that watch fairy tales all the time or read about them in class. Well, I, for one, am very excited about this entire process and I'm very proud of you. Thank and you. I love you very much and I, I can't wait, cannot wait to see this entire thing come to fruition and just watch your creative side. It's been really inspiring to me and I know that you inspire a lot of people and I'm just very proud of you. I can't wait. I know you're going to be doing bigger and better things coming from here so this is just the beginning yeah and um it's going to be a great beginning thank you and i love you i love you too mama <laughs>Hi there, this is Dina Patterson, one of your English teachers and one of your Writers Week organizers. I'm here with Cheyenne Palmer. Hey, Cheyenne. Hello. Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody about yourself? Um, my name is Cheyenne. I'm a junior at West, and I transferred here last school year, my sophomore year. I'm going to be 18 in September. Okay. And I have three poems that I'm going to be reading today. Awesome. Three poems. So what's the title of your first poem? Um, the title of my first poem is called A Friend. Alone and desolate, I watch from afar, observing as I must, nobody to sit with at lunch. Off in the distance, many just like me, wanting someone to be around and really feel like they are listening. The cafeteria is so loud, it's hurting my ears. My sensory issues taking a hold and keeping me from my social life. They reach out their hand, helping me, but I sense much self-doubt. A new opportunity thrown away, like when the boat takes off on sea far away. My mother speaks to me, looking down on me every day. Just put yourself out there, my little star who shines so bright. I wish you were here, Mom, so I could vent to you. Anxiety is taking over my life. I long for a new friend, too scared they will abandon. So I keep to myself, protecting my heart. It's so much scarier while I'm going through life alone in the dark. It's called Please Remember. A puzzle full of a thousand, now she's only a dozen. If she's not broken, what is she then? A tiny girl who cries when a human ascends. From the start she was broken, in the end she'll be anew. When she goes down the right path, the world will be her clue. Day by day she fights her demons, lying awake, scared she can't defeat them. Her mother embraces her whole being as she's crying her eyes red. Mother, why do I live with no meaning? Why do I feel like I should never leave my bed? Her mother inside her screams into her brain. Don't think like that, dear child. I will show you the way. But you are long gone, mother. Your presence haunts me so. What was me? Why can I not let you go? I am your mother, creator of you. 
might I ask why you were carrying all this doom? I am broken, mother, a broken soul of a monster. When I die, people think of me as this imposter? No, my child, you are lost, but you shall be found. Someday you will realize people around you, they could never survive without you around. I feel so alone. Nobody will love me so. I am broken and have no place to call home. Home is where the heart is, where all your family and friends live. The people in your life, hold them near and close to your heart. They will be the ones who will be there when your life falls apart. But what if they leave me, mother? What if they abandon me and leave me in the dust? They will not do that, my dear child. You are special and someone with a heart filled with trust. The last name you required just at the start of birth. That is your legacy, so remember that, for I no longer live on this earth. Wow, that was very, very powerful. So what do you think was the first line that you created out of that poem? Um, the first line was definitely the, um, the part about the puzzle. Because um, somebody in my family, they're a strong believer in like religion and whatnot. And they told me this quote, but I, I couldn't remember what the quote was. But I remember it said something about how a human isn't um, like a puzzle, you know. So I thought I'd just incorporate that into my poem because it was really it was a really powerful quote. So. Okay, that's really cool. All right. And your third poem is titled? The Mother's Effect. Okay. It wraps me in its embrace, coating my skin. It cups my cheeks, warming my face. Lets me down often, builds me up again. Makes me feel deserted, tells me I'll be okay. Everyone says it, but only family and close friends mean it. It drags me in the dirt laughing in my face once again. Fool, you have fallen for my trap, but you never give up. Why must you be so stubborn and crying with a smile on your face? Nothing you can do. It has failed you time and time again. Just give up. You're near your end. No, I know I am worthy. I know I am strong. If I can hold on just a little bit longer, I know I'll grow stronger. It took me in when I was at my lowest point pushed me away when I was at my happiest state. Why do I keep chasing it time and time again? It holds me in a warm embrace. I feel my mother's last touch from three years ago again. She whispers in my ear, don't lose sight of what you love oh so dearly. Hold it tight. You never know when they can vanish from sight. I feel an overwhelming sensation of love. Everything is all right. She's watching me from above. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So I can obviously see a thread through all of your poems. And it seems like these poems have been um, very special to you. So what, um, what does it mean to you to be able to express yourself like this? Um, it means a lot to me. Poetry is one of my coping mechanisms because I struggle with dealing with certain things. And when my mom passed away, just it broke me completely. So uh, a counselor recommended me that I try like poetry. And I had already been writing like songs and stuff, but I don't like make songs. 
So I thought, you know, I could just pin out all of my anger and pain and how I feel into a poem. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing. It's very brave of you putting, you know, basically putting your heart on a sleeve out there and letting everybody see your raw emotion. So we really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Cheyenne. You're welcome. Bye. Get ready for a bad science joke. Hey, Mrs. Patterson. How's it going? Fine, Mr. Patterson. Hey, I don't know if you heard about this, but oxygen and potassium went on a date. Do you know how it went? No. Oh, it went okay. Get it? Uh, Oxygen is O and potassium is K. It went okay. Oh, yeah. 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 Usually when I tell that joke, uh, most of my chemistry jokes get no reaction. Hello, West. This is Joni Decker your Hazelwood West High PTSA president. The PTSA's function is mainly to fundraise for scholarships and building programs through Cat Corner and after-school events. The side effect of being a part of the meeting and events is a strong sense of community between the students, parents, and school staff. Please consider joining us at our next meeting on April 6th or May 4th. Ms. Chappelle will email the Zoom link. I challenge you to get active with your PTSA. Have a great day, Wildcats. Hi, I'm Cynthia Patton, English teacher at Hazelwood West High, interviewing my youngest child, Anthony Overton, who is a junior at Mizzou, majoring in psychology, minoring in biology, chemistry, and women's and gender studies as well as earning a multicultural certificate. He recently gave a presentation titled Supporting Transgender Students to the Teachers at Hazelwood West for Professional Development, and he has given other similar presentations to various audiences. Our topic today is writing for specific audiences. Anthony, what got you into public speaking? Well, for me, I mean, the start of my journey would probably be when I went to a summer camp and one of the classes offered at that summer camp was in spoken word poetry. Um, I didn't really know much about spoken word poetry, but I liked poetry and I liked writing. So I figured that it would be a a good class for me. And I went ahead and took that and I found I really did like um, public speaking and speaking to large crowds. And at the end of the camp, we had a spoken word poetry contest and I ended up winning that, and that kind of affirmed in my mind that I could speak in front of large crowds and do it well. Um, and then from there, I ended up going to a conference um, that was the Missouri Pride Summit here at Mizzou. And when I went the first year, I just wanted to experience it and kind of get to know it, see what it was like. And I realized once I got there that a lot of the people who were showing up to that summit had prepared speeches ahead of time. And I ended up agreeing to host a discussion where we talked about Um, science and being LGBT. And a lot of the things that kept coming up in our discussion was, man, I wish I knew more about this. I wish I had more research. I wish I had more evidence that I could use to support my points. 
So I decided that the next year I went to the, the uh, summit, I would bring a prepared presentation. So I wrote a presentation for the summit and I took it to the summit and I gave the presentation. And then later on, I was talking with one of my professors about how it would be nice if there was more LGBT plus education, especially in the um, healthcare um, careers section of college. And she was talking to me about it. And I mentioned that I had done a presentation at this summit. And she said, oh, it'd be really great if you could give a presentation like that to the medical school here at Mizzou. And she ended up talking to um, the, the right groups of people and got it all set up for me. And I was able to give that presentation. And from there, uh, my mom, you, attended that presentation and were able to say, wow, I think this is something that teachers should also hear. And we were able to get it set up with Hazelwood. And I hope that just, you know, doing more and more of these things, I think it just kind of snowballed into, you know, this presentation is really important. Let's deliver it to as many groups as we can. Can you share a little bit about your presentation, kind of what you talk about in this uh, uh, for supporting transgender students or people? Yes, so the main through line with all of the present forms of the presentation was that it's about um, transgender people and how to support transgender people. A lot of it is based in science. I found that so and science was being used against transgender people as proof for why they don't exist or why they don't matter. When reality, a lot of the evidence points to the opposite. So it was important to me to kind of reclaim science. And my first presentation was all about um, science and how transgender people are supported by science. Their existence is supported by science. My, and that was to transgender people. My second presentation to the medical community um, was more about how, how do we make transgender patients feel comfortable? And here's some things that they have said about being comfortable. Um, and then my discussion with the teachers was how do we make transgender students comfortable? How do we make sure they succeed? How do we support them? How do we help them? And more evidence and a lot more of like what actual transgender people have said and trying to get away from some of the mentalities we may have had in the past and how can we make sure classrooms or doctor's offices and all those kind of places are very inviting for transgender people. Um, and so before you did your presentation, you um, had to do some research and also uh, get your PowerPoints in order. Um, and tell us a little bit about how you had to make changes prior to your speaking engagement to your presentation. Yes. Yeah, so the first time I made the presentation, it was two people, Missouri Pride Summit. So these were people who were either trans or LGBT maybe not necessarily trans, but they could be gay or bisexual. So they had a little bit more background. I didn't have to explain what being transgender was. I didn't have to say what LGBT stood for. I didn't have to say a lot of the background information because I knew my audience already knew all of that. And anything I mentioned, I was able to go past very quickly. I think my first presentation, I had one slide about terminology and which is a quick overview to be like, oh, by the way, remember all these things because I'm going to be saying them a little bit and just that section very quickly uh, versus when I talked to the medical community, I went through that section more in depth. I explained more about how it feels to be trans, what actually goes on with that. And with the medical community, I didn't go in depth about the actual medical term. Uh, everyone knew what that meant. Everyone knew what hormone replacement therapy was because they knew how it worked with cisgender individuals. And I was just explaining how it's different for transgender individuals. So I didn't give a bunch of background on that. When I talked about levels of testosterone or levels of estrogen, I didn't have to explain what that meant. I was able to just, so these are the adequate levels. 
I talked about things like surgeries and I'd say what kind of surgery, what kind of surgeon. I didn't have to go into depth about what those things were because they knew versus when I was talking to the transgender community, there was a lot of science that I had to break down a bit more and explain. Then when I went to talking with teachers, I was able to kind of have some scientific terms, but not go too far into medical science. And I was also able to use things that were related to kind of their fields of study as well, including things that maybe the English teachers would like to know, including things that the um, history teachers might like to know, including things that the science teachers might like to know, and trying to maybe just kind of make sure that my audience was always hearing pretty new information, not too much recap of what they should already know, but also that I was covering everything that they didn't already know. Excellent. Let's switch gears a little bit. You're a college junior at Mizzou. Um, have you had to write many presentations for your classes? Yes. Um, I think it, it always depends on the class. You know, I have gone a semester before where I didn't have to write anything. And then the next semester, all of a sudden, you have to write something in every single class. And it just kind of works out that way. And sometimes you have classes where you write a presentation. Sometimes you have classes where you write an essay. Um, sometimes, you know, this is an end of the semester thing. And sometimes you do presentations all throughout the year. I think the most common setup for my classes has been that I've been in a lot of discussion-based classes where they want the students to lead discussion. So you sign up for one um, presentation a semester and that's your day and you lead the discussion that day. So you have to present, you have to uh, take questions, you have to moderate the questions and things like that. Um, and you know, make sure there's a good discussion going. So that's probably the most common one that I have. However, I know a lot of friends who are in other majors or in other areas of study who write essays all the time and maybe never present. You know, it kind of depends on what you go into, but it's a useful skill pretty much anywhere. I mean, I have a friend who's in engineering and you wouldn't think of engineering as being something where you need to write a lot of English essays. You'd think of engineering as being more math-based. However, this friend, um, his final project in one of his classes was to write an essay about how he would terraform Mars and it had to be in the APA format and it had to follow all the rules of a traditional essay. And it was, you know, a very interesting assignment considering what I would normally associate with, with engineering. So when presenting essays and, um, and presentations and running discussions, um, you definitely have to consider the class and who's in it, correct? Oh, yes. I mean, especially like when you're in a college setting, because you can try and bring stuff in from other classes. I mean, a lot of my classes have a lot of overlap where I can talk about multiple things. Uh, one year in my Latin class, we had to do a presentation about any topic we wanted, as long as it related to ancient Rome in some way. And the topic I chose was homosexuality in ancient Rome because I was in all these women's and gender studies classes and I've been talking about things like that and homosexuality and the history of homosexuality. So it was nice for me to be able to tie things to multiple classes because that's helpful. You can have a lot more resources available, a lot more books that you've read and articles that you've read that you can pull from. But when I gave that presentation, I knew not to use words that were specific to gender theory because I was giving that presentation to Latin students who wouldn't know that. You know, you have to make sure that remembering your audience, and even though you're presenting to your professor and they're the one who's giving you the grade, if it is a presentation in front of your class, you wanna make sure that they're included as well. And that's actually gonna really help you, I think, because at the end, when you're saying like, are there any questions? 
the professor really likes it when they ask questions. So if you really engage your class, they're going to ask better questions. And then you can show off how much you know this information. And then the professor will probably give you a better grade for it. Um, how long is your average essay or average presentation? Or do they have a length? For presentations, it definitely varies. I think around 10 minutes is the one that I think I see the most. That's not 10 minutes of work into the presentation, though. Like to try and get everything you need to say into 10 minutes can be kind of hard. Like at that point, you almost want more time. Um, but then essays vary so much. And that's based on not even class, but teacher, like professor. How much do they want to read? And I have seen essays that have been five pages minimum. Um, I've had essays that have been five pages maximum. And I have had these issues that are different. Sometimes I write under the word count. And I have to go back and try to figure out how I can add more. And sometimes I write way over the word count. Just recently, I had a friend who asked me for help editing an essay because the word count had to be 1,000 words or less. And they had accidentally written 2,000 words. And we had to go through and find things they could cut and things they could say differently and things they could move around and whittle it down to 1,000 words. And it depends on what the professor wants to do. And it's very important every time you get an essay assignment, look at the actual requirement they are requiring and make sure you keep it straight. You know, If one class says this assignment's only supposed to be 250 words, don't accidentally do the requirement for the other class and write way more than you need to. Makes sense. You also write for fun. Tell us a little bit about your fan fiction and how that's helped you to be a better writer. Yeah, I, I love writing fan fiction. I write fan fiction for fun. Basically, once a week, I will write a chapter and then post that. Um, currently, my longest fan fiction right now is a little over... 130,000 words, which is longer than most published books at this point. But honestly, it's such a nice thing to, to sit down and write for fun. And I think that when you write all these essays, you start to get really bored of writing and sometimes you feel fatigued, but it's nice when you're able to, to write about something that you really enjoy and to write without patience. When you write fan fiction, you're not trying to become a published author. You're not writing a book. You know, it's all about editing. You can kind of look back through your work a little bit if you want to, and you can go back to it later after you've posted it and published it and still edited it. And it's just a nice way to get rid of a lot of the anxieties about writing, to get rid of a lot of the worries you might have about your own skills, and to practice. My writing has gotten so much better since I started writing fan fiction regularly because it's, and it just keeps your brain active. Like the same way you'd exercise your arms if you wanted to be fit for the big game, you need to exercise your brain so that you're ready to write your essays and your presentations or if you wanted to write a book someday. And I think that just writing fan fiction is a great way to learn about your writing style as well. Learn what your author's voice is when you don't have restrictions. And I have found that since I wrote fan fiction, my essays are so much more interesting because I'm able to apply my author's voice to them and they sound like I'm writing them, even though they're still in these very professional formats, you can tell I wrote it and it makes it so much more interesting for your professor and in turn, you get the better grade on it. All right, moving forward, you've had some interest from some various groups, nurses, parents, um, even some students for you to uh, be a guest speaker. Um, what kind of things would you change for these groups? I would first of all love to talk um, basically to any group about my presentation and to create um, a new version of the presentation. 
Um, for, for nurses, I would love to talk to school nurses. And I think one of the things I didn't touch on in a lot of the other presentations that I would hear uh, would be binding and um, other health practices or things that might be related to being a school nurse. Whereas a teacher, it's not super important for them to know if a student is on hormones or if a student is binding or if a student is packing or anything of that regard. It is important for nurses to know. And it can be very important for nurses to know if a student is, uh, for instance, with binding, is binding safely. Um, there are a lot of kids who end up using things like ACE bandages to bind, which is very dangerous for their lungs. So being able to know and recognize the signs of that and to point those kids in the right direction, to show them websites where they can buy binders that are inexpensive and safe and teaching them how to get the right size, and things like that. Because a lot of times kids in schools should feel safe turning to their school nurse if they're not comfortable talking about something with their parents um, and having a resource available to them is really important. So with the nurses, I would do a lot more of the medical talk kind of similar to what I gave the medical community but also still keeping that like how we support students from when I talked to the teachers. With parents, I would do a lot of the same things I did with the talking to the teachers about we need to support these kids and here's why. Here's the evidence that shows that the best thing for you to do is support them. Here's why, here's how you can support them. You know, and here's why things like conversion therapy are so damaging. And here's evidence that shows that that's not the way to do it. And to really just help them understand that it's natural to feel scared about that kind of thing, but also how can you help the kid? Because the kid's the most important thing in that situation. And then even um, going on to talking to students or to actual transgender students and transgender kids, uh, the first talk I gave was to college kids who were transgender. And one of the things I kept hearing was, man, oh man, I wish I had this information when I was younger. And I feel the same way. There's a lot of information I wish I had when I was younger. I wish I would have known I was trans way younger. It would have made things way easier on me. So it'd be really nice to be able to sit down with students and tell them what it feels like, you know, and, and how you can, you can deal with it because it's scary when you realize you're transgender. It's like, what's the next step? What do I do? Am I supposed to do all these things? Do I have to have surgery or can I have it if I want to? What are the options here? How am I supposed to pay for all this stuff? And be able to sit down with students and help them through what was a very scary time for me and having a role model who's been through it. You know, at some point, it doesn't matter how amazingly accepting your parents are, they probably don't have any experience in this area. And having someone you can talk to who's a role model who actually does have life experience there is so crucial and important. Awesome, thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to speak to us during Hazelwood West High's Writers Week. You're welcome. Please make sure to check out the Writers Week website for additional information on the topics and authors in today's presentation. Also, if you would like to financially support this program, please click on the PayPal link and give with your heart. Thank you for tuning in, and that's a wrap for this episode of Writers Week 2021.